ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão é um culto. A coragem, que é a liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. A alma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão que eu tenho explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll Benfica podcast. My name is Alfredo. With me tonight, Cristiano Oliveira, as always. What's going on, Cristiano? What's up, Alfredo? A pleasure once again to be back here on the Benfica podcast and uh, talking with you lovely gentlemen. Also back today, Hugo Ferreira. Hugo, what's happening? Guys, what's going on? Again, pleasure to be on. Uh, look forward to the show. And as always, our rock from... The great white north, Dave de Oliveira. What's happening? Uh, nothing too much here uh, in Toronto. Nothing, just a quiet night. Uh, no major <laughs> sports events going on up here in Toronto. But uh, rather be talking about Benfica anyway. So good to be back on. There you go. So here we are for episode number 321. On tonight's agenda, we will look back because we must to the Eintracht uh, game second leg of Benfica's uh, quarterfinals uh, Europa League appearance we'll also look back at this game this uh, past weekend shellacking of maritimo as started loose rather this past monday which counts as a as a weekend i guess it's a weekend fixture uh and we'll look ahead to the big big game a game that perhaps our opponents have earmarked as the game that we will fall as we travel up north to braga to play braga at the pedreira uh this weekend on sunday so before before we do that let's uh let's get right into this uh ein track game and And look, I'll just, and I know that 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 Chris and and, and Hugo definitely want to add something onto this, but let me let me just give you a little bit of perspective. I'll give you a little bit of a perspective on uh, on Benfica and Benfica in Europe. So for us, and all of us are uh, immigrants that are out of the country. Uh, and in a country that we live or countries that we live, both Canada and the U.S., uh, where you get to meet people of all walks of life, of all nationalities. And there's a lot of things that we have in common. We have the, the love for football in common. Uh, so we always praise our club uh, and we always hope that our club does the best uh, at the European stage. And that's because a lot of people look at the Portuguese league and, and say the Portuguese league is always a three-horse race or a two-horse race. So when we get a chance to be in Europe, we want our club to do well, right? With that said, uh, when Benfica has the performance that they did, Uh, in Europe, and uh, I'm not just talking about this this uh, this past uh, season, but also uh, last season where we had that shameful performance in, in the Champions League. It's it's something that the people that we interact on a day to day basis that uh, we profess our love to Benfica for and our our club in Portugal for always get on our case, right? So. What's the matter with your club? Your club can't defeat this team. Your club is shit in Europe, so on and so forth. So. With that, uh, with that being said, Eintracht, right? So there's a lot of conversation. There's been a lot of conversation about 
what has Benfica given priority to? Has it been the league? Has it been Europe? Cristiano, I'll let you go first. I know that you have a very strong opinion about Benfica's participation in Europe, uh, not only because of what I just explained, but there's a few other factors that you want to talk about. Bro, I, I don't even know where to begin, Alfredo. Um, <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just very disappointing. Uh, once again, to see Benfica bow, bow out of a competition that I don't feel, and many other people don't feel, that they put their best efforts into it. And I think that's the most aggravating part. Um, you get knocked out when you give it your all, when you field your best 11, when you make the competition a priority and you fall short, man. Look, you could applaud the gents, you could applaud, you applaud the guys and move on to the next uh, competition and hope to do well there. But when it feels or it seems like um, that 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 is not the case at the moment, that the club is not prioritizing these competitions like they should be. When you've been a long, you know, uh, lifelong Benfica fan, and, and, and I was going to say suffering, uh, but it's like uh, that makes it sound domestic, but it's almost the same thing because you live with Benfica everywhere you go. So it is kind of a domestic Um it's 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 very hard. It's it's very hard to, to put up with this. Um, you want the club again <laughs> to represent themselves, and uh, once again, I, I I honestly cannot tell you with a straight face that Benfica uh, once again got knocked out of a European competition with their best effort uh, put forth. And uh, you go a, a club of of Benfica, Benfica's history and world prestige if you will albeit some of that prestige coming uh in the 60s 70s and perhaps a little bit in the 80s also uh now we're, we're looking at a benfica that is probably an economy benfica going into competitions like this with such a tight race and and domestically yeah no um i think chris pretty much summed it all some the way i feel um again to me it's unacceptable and it's the wrong strategy to approach again a club of, of Benfica's dimension, as you mentioned before. Uh, the bread and butter is Europe. Um, it's in Europe that you want to see Benfica perform. It's in Europe that you want to see Benfica play. Uh, I understand it's the Europa League, but realistically right now, unfortunately, that is probably the most realistic competition in Europe for us to win. And I think the fact that we brought a two-goal lead um, to Frankfurt, um, I think – Majority of the of Benfica nation was expecting us to progress, and then obviously once you're in the semifinal, anything could have happened. Uh, but to Chris's point, the the uh, what aggravated me about that game was the lack of ambition, the lack of of karate, uh, which which is a word that we use strongly in Portugal. Um, we use it in English too. It's called character. Character. <laughs> <laughs> the lack of character that the that the, that the performance displayed was very discouraging. Um, I expected myself, I'm not going to lie, a lot more from Frankfurt. If you look at it, even Frankfurt, uh, they pretty much advanced going through the motions. And, and that's really what upset me. Yes, refereeing aside, look, Mexica once again was on the wrong end of an atrocious, atrocious call in Europe. And many people are calling for the VAR. That's a play that doesn't even need VAR. I mean, that, that linesman should be banned. Plain and simple. Um, and again, we're on the wrong end of a call like that in Europe, but that's still not excusable. We still had a good uh, 50 minutes or so left in the eliminatoria, and, and we had we banged the goal, 
uh, we would have been advancing. Um, again, it's just a lackadaisical performance. That's really the word I'm looking for. And it's just not acceptable for a club of Benfica's dimension. Look, and I don't know who it's coming from, if it's coming from Vieira, if it was Lodge's decision. It's unacceptable. And the fan base, myself, we've we've had enough of this bullshit. Look, I know I know, I, I tend to talk a lot here on the Benfica podcast. And a lot of times, there's a lot of nonsense, a lot of noise. I understand that. But the thing that really pisses me off, and as I stated just a couple of weeks ago, Alfredo and, and Dave, I'm not sure you were on, Hugo, but I'm pretty sure you listened to the podcast where I went off on a little rant, you know, that, that every time we get knocked out of a competition, it's okay because we got the Campeonato. And then we get knocked out of the Tasa of the League, it's okay because we got the... And then the Tasa of the And everything is okay, everything is okay. And it seems like that 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 is Juzencia, right? That we... That, that that perfection that we demand from our club, it seems like everyone is content with just competing for domestic titles. And and, and lately, <laughs> lately, the fans, right, especially after George Jesus, the fans have seemed to turn in favor of, not in favor, but become supporters of Made in Seychelles, Benfica producing hot young shots, yacht prospect, hot prospects selling them off to Europe and only competing for domestic competitions, which, I mean, to me, it, it, it leads me to believe that that is, we're becoming sporting. That's what sporting is has been, and that's what we've been laughing at for the last 30 years, that, you know, we're arguing about where our players are playing, how much they've been sold for. At the end of the day, we're not winning anything. I mean, we're competing for little domestic competition. Benfica, if you want to be a big shark, you want to be the big club that, that Luis Vieira keeps preaching about and every, and every Benfica you meet, right? At least the old-timers keep preaching that Benfica is still a big club. You need to compete at the highest stage. Okay, Benfica today, like Hugo mentioned before, maybe, maybe a competition like the Europa League today is more suitable for Benfica because obviously uh, the big differences in wages with, with, with you know, and, and the, with the big sharks in the Champions League, I get it, but Look, you need to walk, crawl in order to walk. And I think Benfica, using these opportunities in these games, and, and you're a game away from appearing in another European Cup semifinal where anything could happen. And it just seemed like Benfica did not come into this game on Thursday with that attitude in mind. I thought, again, as, as Hugo mentioned, look, a good point. Benfica was, again, once again, unfortunately, Portuguese team was once again on the wrong end of a terrible, terrible mistake, a terrible call. And, and it's asinine to me how the Champions League has VAR, but the Europa League doesn't have VAR. It's the same competition run by UEFA. It's just, it's just look, that's another conversation from the deck. It's just, just asinine. But I think Benfica opened the door by the way they came out. And it seemed like to me they were content with the two-goal lead off Fredo. Right, we're just gonna sit back and we're gonna defend, and we're not really gonna try to go forward that much. And if we hold on to a goal lead, a two goal lead, great. If we don't, oh well, who cares? Because it's all about the Campeonato. Yeah. And I think by doing that, not even attempting to come forward, I think that that opened the door for for these dumb mistakes by referees. I think if Benfica went in there and imposed their game, imposed their style of play, and try to play football that we've grown so accustomed to seeing on the Brun Lage, all that shit would have. Wouldn't even wouldn't have even been a topic. Yeah, um, I'm I'm gonna get uh, Dave involved here. So, um, just just real quick, going over the game. I don't think we need to go over in detail of what the game was, but just a, a couple things that I wanted to to mention. Uh, Dave, three changes in the lineup um, that are aren't usually the, the the strongest lineup that we feel. So Jardel was uh, was paired up with Diaz. Jetson was on the right instead of uh, instead of. Uh, 
Pizzi and Faisa was in the middle uh, with uh, with Samaris. And, and Dave, we look at this first half, a, a very poor half by Benfica, especially in the possession. Of course, in the in the first half in the possession, it was uh, sixty one percent to thirty nine percent possession for uh, Frankfurt, where Benfica was comfortable with uh, just sitting back and letting uh, Frankfurt control the pace of the game. And I think that's where all of our frustrations uh, stem from, because Benfica is not built as a team to let the uh, opponents come out and play their game. Uh, Benfica is a, a team. It's a, a team that's successful when they go out and play their own style of game and let the other team uh, try to uh, defend against us. So we've seen this in the past with this team, uh, most recently against Sporting when uh, we went into the Avalade with a 2-1 advantage and uh, we kind of set back and uh, let Sporting play the game uh, to us. And unfortunately, time and time again, whenever Benfica decides to play like this we always get burned in the end uh, it, i don't know if it's a false false hope that uh, we have thinking that we can go in and uh, just defend for 90 minutes but it never turns out uh, our way and uh, sure enough two away goals in the first leg with the extra man uh, comes out to uh, bite us in the ass but uh, yeah now we and only got the uh, the campionat uh, to do to uh, play for this season and the aggravating thing, guys, if, if you go back to that game on Thursday, you saw when Benfica pressed the subject. I mean, Benfica tried to come forward for 10, 15 minutes. They hit the post. They created three scoring opportunities. You could tell the goal was there to be had if Benfica wanted to, but it seemed like they were content just sitting back and holding on to the two-goal lead, and it's a one-goal lead, and then obviously a 2 nothing result knocks you out, and it seemed like it was never... Uh, that desperation from a club that's about to get sent home. i never seen that. Guys, guys, and just a lack of respect for the fan base. I mean, the game is in Germany. You have tons of, of immigrants traveling from Switzerland, from from uh, France, obviously from Germany, Luxembourg, you name it. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think we had close the to 5,000. The ones from Portugal? Away. The ones from Portugal as well. Thank you, Chris, for reminding me. Uh, I think we had close to 5,000 traveling supporters I mean, the lack of, of, of ambition, the lack of respect for that fan base that made the trip. I mean, that, that is not Benfica values. And uh, enough is enough. Honestly, uh, I speak for myself. I'm sick and tired of this bullshit. Um, it seems like year after year we come up short in Europe, uh, not because of our quality or lack thereof of our football. I think it's a lot to do with our mentality and how we approach these games. Uh, and that's not the Benfica that my dad certainly taught me about it and my grandfather um again I, i'm i'm sick of it guys i i'm, I'm yeah. at a loss of words i was i was this, really upset for a couple of days to be honest with you guys this club has become complacent with after winning four yes. titles in a row i yeah. think the the fans and the club itself has become complacent and uh we're just expecting to become uh to have greatness happen to us and we're not going out there and uh, fulfilling uh, me, uh, all our best here. Yeah, let me let me let me put something to your uh, to you guys because yeah, just just like you guys, uh, it took me quite a bit to uh, to digest this this loss in uh, loss in Europe. I knew that the two goal uh, difference and and knowing that uh, Eintracht is able to score goals, especially uh, in their pitch. Uh, let me just uh, put something really and and this was something that I thought of um, 
we all know in what circumstances uh, Brun Lage took over the team, right? The team is down seven points in the league. Uh, didn't have a lot of time with the with the team uh, to be able to perfect or to be able to work on some of the routines. So the the I'm sure the the, the prime directory was to get those points back as soon as possible. So Benfica adopted a style uh, that was very aggressive, high press, a counter press, get the ball back as soon as possible, work on quick combinations, work on insurgents insurgents to get into the final third um how much do you guys think and, and and dave you brought up a great point that we saw the same thing with sporting when we needed to manage the game we really didn't know how to but how much do you guys think that lajdin hasn't had the time to perfect uh the team in a way uh that they can control the the game uh especially when they're ahead i was talking to to steve santos and Steve Santos was saying that this team had a problem controlling the defensive spaces or the space in which the team plays in, and they often expose themselves a lot. How much do you guys think that this is something that Laj is yet to uh, to really control or to even master or to even get this team uh, uh, used to? Uh, and Cristiano, I guess I'll, I'll start with you. I'll answer your question with a question. I mean, has he really had to come up with a system, right, to counter everything you just said when 95% of the time he's playing against Monkus. Bingo. You, no, I'm you're right. Asking a que- I'm asking a question. I mean, is this something that do we know that he's actually trying to work on those things or did he just ignore it knowing that, look, with the exception of Porto Sporting and, and, and Braga, depending on which Braga shows up, we're fine doing everything we're doing on a weekly basis. And again, it, it's 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 look. You could point to, to 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 many different things, right? Obviously, everything you just hit on, everything you just said, it was spot on. Benfica, just look at the amount of goals they've allowed this season, which is an astronomical number compared to seasons past. They're not good defensively. Then when you bring in out guys who haven't played over the last couple of months, like Jardel, who was not particularly good in that game, Feja coming back from injury is not good. Uh, that doesn't help the situation, but. My aggravation is the effort put forth by the team. I get all that tactical stuff obviously matters. And and uh, you win games tactically most of the time. Okay? I understand that very clear. But my thing is, when you don't put an effort, I don't give a crap about your tactics. I don't care if your tactics are spot on. When you're playing against quality opposition, you have to put in your shift. And I didn't get that from Benfica on this Thursday. You're good, especially in that first half. That that first half was perhaps one of the worst first halves I've seen Benfica play. But how much do you think that's still something that that this team lacks uh, in the aspect of controlling games? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and again, I think I think Laj did his fair share in, in trying to get Benfica to, to to win the midfield. Right, he introduced uh, Faze and Samaris playing playing next to each other. Um, and even Jetson. So that's that right there is a midfield of three. Um, the Again, the issue, and we've touched on it, to me, was just the attitude of the players. And at the end of the day, um, I, we, let, listen, let's not let the players off the hook, right? Big players rise in big moments. And that was a big moment for the club to advance uh, deeper into a competition that, again, realistically, we should be wanting to win. And it should be our ambition to win. Um, and I don't believe in prioritizing competitions. Um, again, I think that Chris nailed it on the head earlier. That's something for Sporting. Benfica needs to go out 
into every competition to win it all and not fear what it could mean uh, uh, for the other competition. Um, but again, to, to answer your question, um, Alfredo, the, the first half was just, was just terrible. Obviously, FaZa uh, is, is out of rhythm, completely out of form. Uh, I questioned the decision in Lisbon when Laj uh, introduced FaZa. And, and if you guys recall correctly, it was, it was a terrible mistake by him that led to Jovic's goal. Um, and listen, Jardel, uh, same thing. You cannot feel these players against competition. If you, if you guys are well aware and, and you follow the Bundesliga, it's a high intense league. And those, those teams play at 1,000 kilometers an hour. Whereas in Portugal, teams play at 50 kilometers an hour. And to introduce footballers like a Jardel, like a Feza, into, into uh, uh, an opponent like that, that is going to play with high intensity, wasn't the greatest decision for, for Bruno Lage. Well, and, and again, if you're going to rotate those players, I prefer you rotate them at home against a Maritim, right? Then in Frankfurt against Eintracht. I mean, it's just, it's just, it, Listen, I'm still very aggravated at this stuff, and I can go on for days. And Hugo, sure to guys... be fair, Hugo, to be fair, Hugo, I mean, look, look, Jardel and Fez have given Benfica a lot. They've been tremendous players, warriors I... at times for Benfica. Yes. I... Look, let's not act like these guys can't play at Benfica now. Big, Chris, I I've said it before. With... Not, I, I, big football clubs need to have short-term of... memory. If you cannot of... base performances... You cannot base throwing guys agree, in there. You go, you go. Agree with you. Based on what they've done in the past. Agree with you 100%. But just the way I'm just trying to clarify things that we do appreciate what Jardel and Feja have done. Um, you know, the way you made it sound like it's like these guys don't have a spot on the Bifika team today. Look, I, I definitely question if they're not in form, if they're not playing at the level that the rest of their teammates are, you know, at, at this stage in the season. I'd agree with you, but I just wanted to clarify that. You right know, now, right now, you, to but me, those guys have been brilliant those guys the right over their careers. Me, so. Right now, to me, they do not have a spot on that on that lineup. I'm sorry, that's just the way I feel. Like, there's no reason why we're rotating a Ferro, who's 19 years old, and just debuted in January for the first team. That's our best center back. There's no reason why, in a crucial moment, he's not in the lineup. It's just mind-boggling to me. Same thing with Florentino. Same thing with Florentino. 19. I'm, I'm, look, man, we're in agreement. We're in agreement. I just want to clarify. I don't want people to think we're knocking Jardel and Faze. Look, we're thankful for, for what they've done. But today, or not today, on Thursday, that might have not been the best decision. And my thing is this, guys. I'm conflicted here because, as you guys have known me throughout the years, I like to point a finger at things. I like to blame someone. And, and at this stage, I don't know – who to blame? I'm I'm kind of giving you. You and I had this conversation. I'm giving Lodge a pass because I'm, I'm I mean I, I think this is coming from up top where they're prioritizing the league over over an opportunity to make it to another uh, yeah. European semifinal. So I'm yeah. conflicted, Alfredo. Let me uh let, let's just put a, a bow on this uh on this European uh, campaign by Bifiga this season, and I'll just I'll ask the, you three guys that this one question, and knowing what we know and knowing what Bifiga went through their season, and I'll start with you, Dave. Uh, and you could just just a, a quick answer is fine. Do you feel that this European competition for Benfica was a success or was a disappointment? Well, looking back at last year, it's a step in the right direction. Uh, that's for sure. But the way we dropped out, uh, I think it left a lot of people wanting more. Uh, and it begs the question, where what is this club's uh, ambitions in Europe? Is it to 
actually go out and win a, a tournament like the Europa League, or is it to just go and showcase uh, players and uh, rotate the squad, get some minutes for guys that uh, haven't been uh, getting the minutes? To me personally, I, I wanted them to uh, take this uh, competition more seriously. Um, like we've mentioned, if we're going to be uh, key on rotation, then use a team like Maritimu to rotate the uh, squad. But Yeah, Cristiano... Uh, it's all for, it's all hearsay now. Sorry, Dave, uh, Cristiano, Dave. positive or disappointment? Dave, oh, Dave, success or disappointment? Mm. I should Dave, say. Let me just info. It didn't take much to improve on last year. I think showing up and <laughs> not giving up a goal for twenty minutes was an improvement. I mean, let's let's be honest. Uh, look, uh, it was an improvement based on what they did last. Absolutely, they improved this season in the Champions League knockout stage, right? Or not knockout stage? I'm sorry, group stage. They actually got to to, to, to to you know punctuate this time as opposed to last season. Um, so that was an improvement, but they still went home. Then they get knocked out to the secondary competition and with an opportunity to make it to another European semifinal. Yeah, you went. You well, go. Chris. Yeah, no, to, to, Alfredo, to answer your question, to me, it's a major disappointment. Uh, again, we bowed out of the Champions League group stage uh, the way we did. Um, yes, I understand Ajax is the Cinderella story of the competition, but if you guys recall correctly, um, and even recently, I believe Delete, their center back, said the same thing. He said that our strongest opponent that we faced was Benfica. Uh, if you guys recall correctly... Rui Vitória is Benfica. Rui Vitória is Benfica. If you guys recall correctly, in Amsterdam, um, I thought Benfica could have won the game, and then obviously in Lisbon, we were unfortunate not to win the game. Um so there's a sour taste there. You bow out of, you bow out of the Champions League group stage again. And, and then you get put into the Europa League. And again, for me, the minute you go into the Europa League, it has to be pedal to the metal. You have to want to win that competition. Number one, because let's face it, the club has never won the UEFA Cup, right? So it's a trophy that you're adding to the history of the club that you don't have. And then number two, guys, one thing that we haven't touched on is the club ranking coefficient. We've dropped from, I believe we were 7th or 8th place. We're now sitting at 21st, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, we need to get back uh, our, our, our ranking coefficient. And you can't just prioritize competitions and say the Europa League is not important. Um, so to me, to answer your question, it, it was a major disappointment. Yeah. Um, and I hate to, to, to spring this on you guys, but I may, may as well ask the question, uh, Dave, one highlight of your, of Benfica in Europe for you this season. Ooh, uh, let's go with recent, uh, memory and, uh, say João Felix's, uh, coming out party in Europe with the, uh, hat trick against, uh, Frankfurt, uh, low lights. Ooh. Oh, you don't have to give me a low light. High low light, light, I don't know. That low light when it was whenever Rui Vitoria was on the sideline uh, in the Champions League with that stupid colored tie that he had on. Like I don't know. I try to forget that part. <laughs> that part of the season already. Yeah, uh, Hugo, for you, uh, the the highlight of this European campaign for Benfica. The highlight uh, this season for me was the victory in Istanbul. Uh, obviously. Laj's courage to feel the side that he did um, and then the boys turning up that day and, and having a, a performance a Benfica, like we say uh, because again they went there they dominated the game and, and and it was clear from the first whistle that the team was there to 
to win the game and, and, and not that lackadaisical performance we saw a few days ago. Yeah, no, I have to agree with that. That's perhaps uh, for me the the highlight of European of Benfica's European campaign. Chris, you want to take a stab at this for you? The highlight of Benfica's European campaign for you? Well, uh, since Tarap was not registered, <laughs> definitely can't mention him. So I, I'll, I'll go with that as well. I think Benfica. Not only fielding a bunch of kids from Seychelles, I believe average age of 22 or whatever the hell it was at the time, having the guts to go on a road, playing with kids, and then getting Benfica's first ever victory in, 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 in Turkey, I thought that was impressive. Um, and also have an honorable mention to um, João Felix, is, is his hat trick at home. Yeah. Um, obviously, we all know who he was, but I think the rest of Europe uh, found out who he was that day. Excellent. So now we turn our attention to uh, domestic competition. Befiga played uh, Maritim this past Monday and all the controversy surrounding this game. And as you guys had a chance to hear us about petite saving players, blah, 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 blah. Befiga heads into this game and I'll give you I'll give you the lineup and, and definitely Befiga's uh, strongest uh, lineup. Vlacodimus Almeida, Dias Ferro and Grimaldo. Florentino and Samaris, Pizzi and Servi on the wings, Felix, Jean, uh, Felix and, and Seferovic up front. Uh, three minutes in, one nothing. Dave, what, what did you think of this game? Did, did, uh, do you did you do you share the feeling that once Benfica scores early, then there's a certain calmness that comes over the fan base? Of course, there's always a, a calmness, but sometimes that comes back to bite us in the ass uh, too. I, we kind of took the, uh, though we controlled the first half, uh, we were very uh, wasteful at times with our opportunities uh, to score a, a couple of more goals there in the first half. Sure, in the second half, we uh, start converting on those chances, but uh, Seferovic was very uh, unlucky to not even score one goal where he had about uh, three, four good quality chances uh, throughout the entire match. So always good kind. to score. Yeah, always good to score. Like uh, yeah. Always good to score early to uh, keep the nerves in control, but uh, that also leads to complacency, and uh, that has come back to bite us in the ass. Luckily, in this game, it didn't, but uh, this is a, a monku, as Chris likes to uh, call a maritimu. We'll, we can't... Uh, when we play against the bigger clubs, we can't uh, fall into that complacency. And and Cristiano, I mean, Seferovic, we've seen him miss quite a few opportunities, but against Maritim, he couldn't get a load to wash at a laundromat full of uh, with a handful of quarters. Man, how long you been waiting to, to use that one, Alfredo? Because usually we go to you can't score a whorehouse with a stack of hundreds. Now you switched it up on us. I mean, have you had that one in the, in the archive for a while? No, no, I just came up with that. Yeah, Patuas Rome. I'm telling you, you're still the funniest guy on any podcast around. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Svetovic, look, one thing about Svetovic that we've, we've, we've learned here so far is that he puts away the very difficulty, uh, you know, the very difficult shots, the very difficult uh, goal scoring opportunity. And he just doesn't do the same with, with, with the easy one that we deem easy, I should say. Um, it was not a typical Svetovic game, or maybe it was prior to this season. We don't know. We'll find out next season. But, yeah, Benfica still, look, they, they, everyone expected Benfica to do exactly what they did at home. The only question was, uh, you know, by how many. Uh, as, as I've mentioned here on the podcast many times, that it seems down the stretch here, 
when Benfica doesn't score early, the team starts to press. You asked Alfredo, funny enough, you asked, you know, it, when they scored early, it kind of, what was the, what would you say about the fans? It relaxed the fans, you said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think more importantly, for, I mean, with all due respect, forget the fans, that it relaxed the players. And I think that's what's most important. And you see Benfica, when they're playing relaxed, they're a totally different team. They're playing loose. They're playing fluid football, creating opportunities to be in themselves. And as the minutes go on at the start of the lose, and all of a sudden some pressure starts to come over the players because obviously now it's starting you know, uh, to creep into their minds. Are they going to score? They're not going to score. You see a totally different team. So when Benfica scores early, man, I mean, it's just a matter of how many they're going to put in the back of the net at that stage. Yeah, and you go uh, a, a very short first half for Benfica as far as results. Certainly could have been a lot more than one. But in the second half, Barriga shared goals. Yeah, no. Um, again, Benfica, to, to your point, uh, Alfredo, and, and, and to Cristiano's uh, point, getting an early goal, especially at the time of the season that we're in now where every game is a must-win, really relaxes everybody. And I think you saw that in the second half. I, I Obviously, we expected to be up by 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 a couple at, at halftime because I think Benfica's dominance in the game uh, warranted such a scoreline at halftime. But, um, I mean, it was inevitable. It was a matter of time until we banged a couple more. Uh, I didn't expect us to, to, to win by, by six, um, but I definitely expected Benfica to come out with a relaxed performance, uh, put a couple past Moriti, um, and really get some of that confidence back into the fan base, uh, which obviously was let down by, by Thursday's performance. But, um, again, now we shift our attention to the league and to, to the one objective that is, let's face it, the most important objective for the club. And it's very important down the stretch that Benfica gets these early goals uh, to calm everybody down. And once the floodgates, they say, once you get one, the floodgates open. Um, and that's pretty much what happened uh, with the benfica Maritim game. Um, and I thought at the end of the day, it was a, it was a good performance uh, from the team. Um, and the realistically the expected performance from the team. Yeah, and John Felix uh, getting on the scoreboard twice. Pizzi, uh, Servi also twice. Salvio uh, getting on a scoreboard, and they've throw out some some numbers in relation to uh, the scoreline and some of the guys that uh, got on the scoreboard. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned uh, Pizzi. Uh, he got his twelfth uh, goal across all competitions. So he's one shy of uh, tying his uh, best uh, thirteen goals in a season. Uh, the guy's a monku master. But even him, that goal that he scored, it took a shot, hit a deflection. It was going wide. Yeah, it was going wide. That guy's got <laughs> lucky balls uh, when he plays these small clubs because uh, he doesn't show up when it's for the big Mocking clubs. But he's got yeah, 33 assists, bro. 43 or 53. I don't know. Some 17. He's like got that. 17 assists. 10 goals, Those 17 goals. assists. Yeah. Contra but, uh, poderoso. Contra poderoso yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so now. So, um, Benfica now have 10 plus goals. So, Ferovic with 19, João Felix uh, 13, Rafa with 12, and uh, Jonas and Pizzi with uh, 10. So, not since 1959, 1960 has Benfica had pl- five plus players with uh, 10 plus goals. Yeah, I think in on our goal tally for the season, I think that we're very close to some sort of record also. And don't don't quote me that, but I but I thought I read that on the somewhere on the ball that we were very close to some kind of a uh, uh, goal uh, goal output for for the season we're, we're one 
one goal shy of tying the uh, goal uh, output record, and we still have four games to go. Yeah, so we have a buck, a buck, we have a hundred and twenty four, hundred twenty five on the season, no competition. Which yeah, is, buck twenty five. Which I think that's set, that's set, no, or tied some type of record. We're at eighty six or eighty seven, whatever it is for the season, with four games to go. I mean. No club's ever gotten to 90, yada, yada, yada. The last club to do so was Benfica in uh, 1970, whatever. I mean, these numbers are historic numbers. Um, it's just too bad we couldn't save one of the six for Thursday. You know what I mean? I would have I rather <laughs> yeah. one on Thursday and five on, on Monday. Yep. No, I completely agree. So uh, another uh, three points in, in Porto who had played uh, beforehand. Uh, we needed oh, to keep up. But uh, here we are. We we kept up, and now we have a super um, important uh, match against Braga. As I mentioned, the one match that supposedly our opponents have earmarked as the one we're going to fall. Braga has yet to beat uh, um dos três grandes all season. Uh, and uh, to be honest with you guys, uh, I'm I'm confident of what this team is capable of, but uh, I'm also um, I'm also fearful. Of uh, of this game and and my approach to this game is is very uh, I'm, I'm hesitant to to really proclaim that Benfica is is really going to dominate and, and beat this this Braga team because Braga still a lot uh, has a lot to play for. Dave, what's Braga up to these days? Yep, so they've uh, fallen to fourth uh, with 64 points uh, from 20 wins, four draws, six losses, three points behind uh, third place Sporting. Uh, since the new year, they've uh, been uh, on and off. So their last 10, they've got six wins and four losses where we saw at the beginning of the uh, competition, they were up there uh, right in the thick of things for the first uh, spot there. So they've kind of cooled off a bit, but um, yeah, they're still considered one of the top four teams in uh, Portugal. And hopefully Benfica comes out and is uh, doesn't let Braga play their game. If Benfica, Benfica is going to be successful if Benfica plays their game, their style, and brings it to Braga. Because if they hold back and uh, wait for Braga to come to them, we're playing with fire again. I yeah. have a question for you guys, Alfredo. Go ahead. And I mean, I know the answer, but I, I figured I'd ask the three of you. Obviously, he gets his first start since January um, and scores two on mo- this past Monday against uh, Maritimo, as we mentioned before. Uh, he started in place of a suspended Rafa who had accumulated yellows. So obviously, Rafa will be fit and ready to go uh, over the weekend. Does Rafa get his starting spot back, or do we get to see Serbi once again in there? Yes. Yes, he does. Hugo, I'll let you take that one because I think we all agree that uh, – that, uh, uh, Rat, well, do we call him the Rat Atomic? What's what's Rafa? He's <laughs> he's like the the Flash. Yes, he is. Uh, to answer Chris's question, absolutely, he gets the starting spot back. I would say that right now, the two most decisive players are obviously Jean Felix and Rafa, especially this late in the season. And given the opponent and the characteristic of the opponent that we're going to play against, I think Rafa will probably be our most important uh, man because he'll allow us to stretch the game. He'll allow us uh, to. To, to bang him quickly on the counter when we when uh, when Braga gives away possession. So Chris, to me, it's a no-brainer. It's a yes. Yeah, and and and, and Ugo, let me ask you this: uh, Braga is currently three points behind Sporting. Uh, they know that Sporting t- still has to play Porto on the final match of uh, of the champion uh, the championship. How important do you feel that this game is for Braga? 
Um, I think Braga already lost that uh, that uh, chance to f- to finish in the top three, only because um, very similar to the, to the the Benfica and Porto race, if they get tied in points with Sporting, Sporting has the the head to head advantage over them. Um, so it's realistically it's a four point lead uh, for Braga. Nonetheless, uh, sorry, for Sporting. Braga, no, for Sporting. So apologies there. Nonetheless, um, I think Braga is going to give it their all. I believe in in Ujog Lamala. I think there's going to be tons of cash on the line for these for these players. No, uh, not a Braga. Not, I don't think a Braga will. Oh, I, I think I I think so. I really do think so. Um, I believe these guys are going to come out heavily motivated, uh, and they're going to do everything to uh, to get uh, to have Benfica drop points. Um, as you guys know, there's in Portugal. There's a there's a lot of game played off the pitch, and I don't see this being any different this weekend. I think I think Porto views this as almost a final opportunity to to potentially uh, retake first place. So Benfica does not have an easy game on their hands. Yeah, and Cristiano, I'll I'll go to 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 you on this. And and Ugu uh, mentioned the controversy, and there's already been a little bit of a buzz on on contra- controversy in the fact that when Porto went to the Pedreira to to play uh, for the championship. Uh, Porto apparently bought a section of the stands so they could have more uh, seats or, or for for their fans than the the traditionally allocated ones that the club is forced to allocate. Uh, now there's already talk that Benfica is only going to be allocated uh, that percentage that the league mandates. Fifteen hundred and Porto got an additional thirty five hundred to make it an e- an even five thousand. Right. So so what's what's your feeling on that? Um, to be brutally honest with you, man, look, I, I, I might have a different reaction that'll probably surprise you guys. I, I really don't give a crap about, about any of that stuff, man. Once again, these are mind games. These are off-the-pitch games like you was mentioned, jokes, the malas, all these different influences. You know they're going to be there. Whether you believe or if a mala is going to be involved or not, that's a totally different subject. But we know there's pressure. There's different people in different people's ears. And, 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 and you know, all this stuff. It's been going on since I was a since I was a toddler. So to me, it comes down to Benfica has to go there, play their game, win this goddamn game with five thousand fans or with two thousand fans or with three people in the stands. It doesn't matter. If Benfica handles their business. All that stuff will just be noise, and I think Benfica um, will look back at that and just exactly that noise. I mean, I, I don't think they're gonna wrap themselves up too much into that nonsense because we know. With the uh, football club Kurutu, um, there's always uh, the unexpected is always possible. So uh, none of that will be news to them. And and Dave, understanding how Befica has behaved in the last, right? We went to Dragão and we played a very uh, aggressive game. We went to Alvalade, we played a very aggressive game. Now we go into Braga and understanding what the MO has been for this team under Laj, how are you feeling? I'm hoping that uh, they come out and they come out aggressive and uh, they don't sit back on this game. Because um, we've seen when when Benfica sits back, they're they're asking for trouble. They're not a team that can defend properly. They're sure they can beat these Monkus six nothing, five one, four two, but uh, even when these small teams are scoring two goals against us, that that just fuels my uh, my fire and my uh, concern when they're playing a big team uh, like Braga who does have the uh, firepower up top there. 
Um, it makes me concerned about how many goals Benfica is going to concede and, and do they have to go out and score at least four goals to uh, have this game uh, comfortably in their back pocket. But yeah. uh, I hope they come out, uh, score a quick one, calm everyone's nerves down and uh, just control the game from there because uh, we all know if this is in the 80th minute, still 0-0, it's going to be a nail-biter for sure. Hugo, your thoughts going into this game? I know you briefly touched on them, but... No, I'm I'm confident that we're going to grab the three points. Again, let's face it, uh, we went into Avalov uh, with the performance that we had. We went into Dragon with the performance that we had. There's no reason why we shouldn't be confident that we can't go into Braga um, and, and, and have a similar type of performance. I agree with what Dave said. I think we have to dictate the, the game from the from the first whistle because, let's face it, we're the ones who, who have the, the obligation to do so, first of all, as, as the biggest football club in Portugal. And, and second of all, because we need the three points desperately and, and, and we're very close to, to securing the title. Um, so with that said, uh, I'm, I'm confident. That I think it is going to be a difficult game. But I feel like if we score, if we grab an early goal, maybe in the first 20 minutes or so, I think it'll really calm the team down. But I'll go, we'll have to get forward. And I think we could, we could snatch a, a, another one. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, I, I was thinking about it uh, already today. Like, uh, I can't wait for Sunday. Because the anxiety uh, and turning on uh, Portuguese TV, you see all these programmers and all these. Now there's there's crap going on with Cesar Boaventura and the Super Dragões and and all this nonsense. You know, games played outside of the game, and it just uh, I just can't wait for that for that first whistle to blow and let, let's get this over with. Look, I think the important thing is we're gonna have a fresh Ferro, uh, we're gonna have a fresh Florentino. I think those guys, as we saw, and again, uh, you know, against a team that wasn't really expected to pose much much threat against Benfica on Monday, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Florentino does a tremendous job of just disrupting anything the opposition tries to do. Um, same thing with Ferro. I think he's been uh, a revelation back there since his call-up in January. I think that those two guys give and add a tremendous – defensive, uh, you know, uh, wall back there for Benfica. And so I think I'm very confident in this game. Um, come Sunday, I think Benfica, as Hugo mentioned, they, they have the obligation. They need the result. Braga, to them, a draw to them, they're fine. Obviously, they still want to try to finish in the top three, but they don't have the obligation. They don't need a result. Benfica needs to go chase it. Um, and I'm just, you know... Again, with those guys back there, I think that this Benfica will be ready to play. This will be a different team than what we saw on Thursday. One thing that bothers me again real quick, guys, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, fourth place first again. Um, and this is the first chance that the league has to maybe switch things up because, again, both teams are already out of Europe. There's no reason why Port's playing on Friday and we're playing on Sunday, uh, which, again, it's just a small factor that's going to influence our anxiety again for Sunday. Uh, especially if Porto gets the three points, which obviously we all hope that they don't. But once again, Benfica has to play after Porto and potentially with that added pressure of, of a Porto victory on Friday. Yeah, I I get what you're saying, that, and that's a great shout. And that at one point, the league will have to make sure that both games are happening at Alfredo, the same time and not Alfredo. only on the last jornada. Alfredo, they've done it already yesterday, guys. They They switched. 
Yeah. Uh, the next three jornadas, they've actually Benfica and Porto will play on the same day. Same day and same time. But not same time, guys. Not same Just time. same day. Same, time. same day, Benfica. Um, it came out yesterday. I mean, we should have had that ready, especially if we're going to talk about it. Yeah, but no, no. I, the, but the... Benfica, Benfica plays first next week, then Porto plays after, yeah. and yada, yada, yada. And then it goes back to, Benfica, to Porto playing for, like, hours, though, two hours prior. They're actually playing it's... on the same day, Alfred. They've changed that. They came out with that news yesterday. Yeah, I've got it here, if guys, if you want it okay. here. So, yeah, yeah so uh, starting on uh, Saturday, uh, May 4th, Benfica plays Porto Menis at 1 o'clock, followed by uh, Porto versus Avj at 3.30. Then the next then the next weekend on uh, May 12th, Nacional uh, plays Porto at 12.30. Then uh, Benfica goes to Rio Ave, plays them at 3 o'clock. And then the uh, last game of the season, uh, Sunday, May nineteenth. Everybody's scheduled to play right now at, uh, at eleven a.m. Yeah. Usually, yeah. it's the same same fixtures, same time. Um, but again, to me, it's no coincidence, guys, that uh, Benfica has to play second. I don't know how you guys feel, but well, uh, again, I, I've been around this football for many years, and I to me, think, it's no coincidence. Yeah, look, I think that the, the Champions League could definitely explain it a lot by the Champions League since Porto was playing on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, Benfica was playing on thir- on Thursdays. I get that, but there, like you said, Hugo, there's no reason why uh, the league now should make the games more evenly spaced out, if not in the same. In the same day, especially when one team is finishing uh, the game and the other team is getting ready to enter and, and go and do the, the warm-ups. I think that that's if you can't have them uh, play at the same time, which obviously because of, of the TV deals and, and TV money dictates so much of the league schedule. If you can't have them play at the same time in the same day, at least have them play and alternate, as Dave mentioned, uh, in the same day. We're just a few hours apart. We're really overlapping each other from the time a team is finishing a game and the other team is coming out for warm-up. So I get that. I get that. Um, that's all we got. I don't know if you guys wanted to add anything else, uh, but uh, I think we we covered everything we needed to cover. Uh, Chris, any uh, parting shots? Só quero dizer que o Benfica é do público. Não é de ninguém. É do público. O Benfica é nosso. I just I wanted I wanted to mention one more thing, guys. I don't know. Did you guys catch the Philippe Vieira interview today by any chance? Um yeah, I mean I guess we could talk a little bit about that. Uh Philippe Vieira did gave an interview, and I think one of the highlights was that he was gonna do his damnest or his hardest not Same. to lose any players this season. Same. Which means they're all gone. Which means they're all gone. <laughs> No, what I just wanted to mention, uh, the, the reason I mentioned that is just the timing again. Like, there's no reason why we're, three, we're, we're four games to go in the league, such a big game coming up in four days, and this guy's coming out publicly and giving, giving a, uh, a, uh, an interview. Um, and I don't know if you guys mentioned as well, he kind of took a shot at Samadish. If you guys caught that or not, I uh, just wanted to hear obviously everybody's thoughts. I, I know you got it. You got to think for Samari Zugu. Let uh, I know you got to think, but Opa. yeah, he, he was asked about Samari's renewal. It's just uh, the wrong timing, in my opinion. To, yeah, to I, yeah. I I think look at this point, you got to keep your mouth shut and you got to let the team do its business on the field. Hugo não gosta notícias fora de campo e depois vai falar notícias fora de campo. No, não é isso. What I'm saying is. 
Uh, again, right, the, the team should be all in on this objective right now. There's no reason you why go, Vieira is go. coming I, out I and giving and giving Avala a chance to uh, Avala Jogan record the chance yes. to put Vieira on the front cover with you more declarations for incendiary in the Major Zambians. That's all I'm saying. I, I couldn't, I, but incendiary at the end of the day, he didn't really say anything to incendiary anything. You go, I mean, he talked about his own club. He didn't he really. Did. He did. He, mentioned, but the Samadhi, he, he took a shot at Samadhi, right? which the press is going to be shot, all over that. Said, okay, but look, he said what we all expected him to say. Um, I Long timing for me. I, I didn't expect him to say that, oh, yeah, we're going to sell it. Look, man, look, it is what it's noise. Um, newspapers have to sell their covers and have to sell their papers. At least we get asked to come out and say something. Uh, maybe it was intentional. Maybe it was not. Maybe it was with the idea of sending a a parting shot at the Samadis of the world. We don't know. There's plenty of rumors surrounding Samadis. I know you have a soft spot for Samadis like many other people do, and he's been absolutely lights out since since Lodge has, has stepped up and, and, and been named head coach of Benfica, uh, and, and he deserves uh, all the, the plaudits that he's been getting of late. But, look, that stuff will be taken care of uh, in an office somewhere. In right due now. time. Yeah, in due time. I'm not really too cons- concerned with it. What I'm worried about is the game on Sunday, regardless of what the president says, regardless of what anybody says. And I think the one thing about Barun Lodge is that he'll have everyone focused in that locker room. If you, allow, if you allow me, guys, and I quote, right? Só oferecemos o que podemos e só cá está quem gosta de estar. Isto serve para qualquer jogador. Again, to me, wrong timing for this type of, uh, of, yeah. of stuff. So basically translating, we only offer what we can and we only keep players that want to be here. That That's how roughly it translates to. And that's a yeah, statement verbatim for Leash Lefiera. I don't find anything on. wrong with that. Yeah, I don't look, man. Again, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know what his agent is demanding for the renewal of a contract. You go again. I think we, I, my guys, it my just team. brings up, it just brings up Bye. more questions for Varun Lash to answer on his pregame press conference Saturday in front of these, these bimbo journalists. Again, it's just the wrong timing for this type of bullshit, in my opinion. Fair, fair. Do I like it? No, but I think I've spent too much time already speaking about something that I'm not a fan of. So, yes, uh, look, look, uh, certainly there's things that go on in the background that we're not privy to, to seeing. We don't know what's been requested. We don't know what's being demanded. We don't know what kind of offers are on the table. So all of that, we kind of need to... to to take its course and, and in due time, I think that the the, the negotiations will, will reach a, a favorable agreement for Benfica. Whether Samari stays or he goes, certainly this is perhaps the best Samaris we've seen since JJ, and this is four years ago. Uh, so certainly things are going to uh, be moving along, and, and definitely I think that Benfica and Luis Fliefiera will do what they feel it's best for the club. Look, so. man, I, I get Hugo's point. I do, I do. But, again, I'm the type of person, as you know, when I don't like something, when I don't take something serious, I don't talk about it. And do I like what that the president has done that? No, I don't. I just rather, you know, tune it off and concentrate on what's important. Uh, as you stated, Alfredo, they'll figure that out. And uh, somebody wants to stay, he'll stay. Obviously, there's rumors linking him with Porto. Maybe that's... 
Maybe that's gotten to the president's uh, ear. Maybe Fernando Mendes. Fernando yeah, Mendes is asking for him. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe he's sending a parting shot. We don't know. Look, at the end of the day, I don't really care if if, if he goes, he stays. I care about winning these remaining four games, and then I'll worry about who, who's here next year or not. As far as the youngsters and keeping everybody, what the hell is he gonna say? And, I mean, to and me, that's, that's all just... Vieta had to say was, "We're just focused on Sunday." And that's it. Again, Hugo, you don't know. You're not privy to the conversations these guys are having on a day-to-day basis. You don't know if his agent is threatening. You're still adding fuel to the fire, Chris. You're still adding fuel to the fire. Maybe maybe he feels that. journalists and newspapers will be all over. You'll see in the next few days. Yeah. Maybe Aurelius feels that his agent is is adding fuel to the fire by bringing that crap up right now. (laughs) Yeah. All right, and uh, that's all we go. We have for you uh, this week. Uh, next week we'll be back. We'll break down this Praga game. We'll look ahead to to the true, true, true game of the Maleta against Portimonense, if I'm not mistaken. That's Portimonense we got up next, and then Riwav, and then Santa Clara, if I'm not mistaken. I think I'm right on that. Uh, you, you can follow. Correct. You can follow Cristiano at Tencio10 on Twitter. Uh, Dave at 87 do 87 ugu i haven't memorized yours so you're gonna have to uh, share with everyone it's a uh, hoofer underscore 10 but with one r h-u-f-e-r underscore, underscore 10. 10 there's a tradition here on the Bifiga podcast i normally tell people how to get a good name you know a good tag name for Twitter. <laughs> and the advice i have for you is brother you got to get rid of that 10 because there's only room oh. for one 10 oh. It's just my it's my name, Hugo Ferreira. That's all it is. <laughs> all right, everyone. And at Bifiga Podcast is where you could uh, follow us on Twitter. BifigaPodcast.com. Don't forget to visit our sites. All our podcasts are there. We're on Facebook uh, and uh, a few other things. Uh, Apple uh, Music. Uh, and that's it. Thanks a lot for checking us out. We'll be back next week, as I mentioned. And we will uh, have uh, plenty of Bifiga talk for you. So thanks a lot for uh, listening, and see you again next week. See you, everybody. Ciao.